is 12.03 a.m. in the Mid-South area. Good morning. It's Monica with Unreal Radio. And I have Boston in the car. Say hello. What's happening? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I just love it. Um, so, as I was telling you guys, I was coming to pick him up really just for the um, meats and the cheeses he was bringing back. Because he always brings back wonderful meats and cheeses. I don't know what the hell happens to our meat and cheeses uh, by the time they get to Memphis. But they're super expensive. And you don't get as much. And apparently, tell them about the meats. Just tell them. Well, the bag was supposed to be there, but they got they sent it to Philadelphia, which is where I was going to fly, but there's a storm in Philly. So now <laughs> my meats are in Philly, and I'm in Memphis. Oh, that sucks. Should be here tomorrow, though. Okay, be here tomorrow. But tell them why Bye. you do this. Because... You can't get this stuff down here. Nope. Nobody even knows what prosciutto is down here, or a soppressetta, or a cup of cold. Now, if you want to say the time sets, you know, capicool, right. prosciutto. But, yeah, you can't get any of that stuff down here. No, I mean, it doesn't Oscar Mayer have a caprisol? No. <laughs> it's not even... That's offending you right now. Yeah, you can't get any of this stuff down here. Yeah, that's, that's why he takes the empty suitcase and hardly any clothes anyway. I actually thought, when I didn't see him with a suitcase, that he just, he had a bag in his hand. I actually thought... You just didn't take a, a suitcase this time at all. Like you just rolled out of the bed to catch the plane. Because that has, I don't know, seems to be his forte. Two pairs of boxes, two sh- t-shirts, is it? Yeah, well, you have you have a brother. See, look, now you got me. When I was just telling them whenever I get around a dialect, I start to try to mimic. I naturally mimic it. It's really weird. But it is, it's weirder that you've retained your accent. Living. Nah, it's gone. No, it's not. You hear when I go home, they call me a southerner. Really? Yep. Oh, no way. There's no way, because if I go... It used to be much faster. Oh, you used to talk much faster? Way faster. Okay, look, you already talk fast and mumble as it is in most moods. You're just tired and jet-lagged right now. <laughs> I can't believe that. So, because you talk slow, they say you're a southerner. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Boston. That's kind of an insult, isn't it? We're slow down here on the south. Drive slow, yeah. Oh my God, no, you guys. Look, he has a traffic uh, attorney on retainer. You're not supposed to have one of those lawyers on retainer, Phil. You're not. I thought when I moved to the land of NASCAR, people drive fast. It was the exact opposite. I was bummed out. <laughs> the land of NASCAR? We don't have a track here. Yeah, but the south Oh, just, just think, everybody. Think, think mascot. Well, it, he does. He has mascot a point. Mascot fake wrestling. Fake, no, you're absolutely right. My dad was a gearhead. I still have a '72 Chevelle. He raced. Uh, you know that. And then um, WMC Channel Five every morning. Dave Brown, our weather guy. He uh, he emceed the uh, the uh, local wrestling that Jerry the King Lawler was on. That's where Jerry the King Lawler got his start. So there, you've learned a lot about Memphis and something about Boston, how they have the best meats, and how they um, really do think we are slow, because Phil talks slower. We'll speed it up so that they'll stop Stop Slow is good sometimes. You never drive slow. No, I never drive slow. Yeah, well. Alright, well I still hear your accent. Pretty, pretty good. And the moon is gorgeous behind us. I just got a glimpse of it. Definitely going to have to snap that because it's partly cloudy. Oh, wait. 
I haven't named her yet. I should name her something. Like, you know, my Siri is named Steve, and he's Australian accented and calls me sweetheart. What should I name her? Bitch, stop telling me which way to go. Poor. Oh, my God. <laughs> Twat waffle. Twat waffle. Okay, this podcast has gone awry. Thank goodness children don't listen. I don't really know who does, but yes, okay. Okay, so anyway, we're going to call it. Um, there you go. That's Boston, also known as Phil. <laughs> With no meat or cheese for me tonight. What? Really? Not my fault, fucking American Airlines for Fucking American Airlines. <laughs> All right, well, that's what I get uh, for you taking American Airlines. Thanks. I'm sure you'll take them next time, too. First Philly beats me in the Super Bowl, then they take my luggage. Oh, oh, now he's tripling. No, now that I can see that. That's right. He's for the Pats. Boo, boo. You heard me. Um, and that's right. Philadelphia stomped. No, they didn't stomp y'all, did they? They really didn't. It wasn't that bad of a spanking, was it? Nah, not in the water. <laughs> but still. So now he's really mad at you, Philadelphia. You've got my meat and cheese. And you beat his team in the Super Bowl, which I'm really not mad at you about, so. <laughs> All right. Listen, he looks like, what the hell are we doing? I just kind of forced him into this. So, that's Boston. I'm Monica. Keep it unreal.
This will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the crevacious slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. It is 12.53 p.m. in the Mid-South area. Good afternoon. It is Monica with Unreal Radio. On this, the 50th anniversary of the death of Martin Luther King. They have been celebrating his life all week here in Memphis. There has been events every single day. Today, we have been, I've been watching it since 4.30 a.m., Uh, I did fall asleep somewhere in there, but they have been showing a timeline um, of his life, pretty much, Um, talking about, you know, where he was born, when he got started, what got him into this, what led him to Memphis, exactly, because there there were very precise steps that led him to Memphis to help the sanitation workers, and they have been talking to people all week. Uh, that knew him, that were there, inspired by him, Um, the people in the backgrounds of the most famous photographs of him uh, marching. You know, we have several of them still alive and well here in Memphis, Tennessee. And one happens to be the pastor of the biggest church with like a congregation of over 5,000 members. It's insane. Um, But yeah, so they just, you just heard the end of his most famous speech, the I Have a Dream speech, as it's been come to know, or known to be called, and we just listened to that in its entirety, and right now they just had a big screen downtown at the Civil Rights Museum, um, which is located right at the top of some stairs that lead down to the Lorraine Motel, where he was shot on this day 50 years ago. 
Um, I know I have put some of that stuff on my Snapchat when I've been downtown. Uh, the Women's March, we started uh, down, down Main, way down Main Street, marched all the way up and stopped at the Civil Rights Museum. And the Lorraine is where uh, we listen to speakers and stuff. That hotel has been untouched since the day he was killed. They have not moved anything. Uh, I believe there's even uh, liquid in his coffee cup, but now that I have to believe has been changed out um, because I've left my coffee. Yeah, I've left my coffee before. And you can't just leave coffee. Stuff happens. So I couldn't imagine a cup of coffee sitting there for 50 years and looking so fresh still. So they've definitely, um, like, art department, I guess, the food and whatnot. But everything else is untouched. It is, um, it's really neat that the Lorraine was shut down and immediately immoral, um, pretty much immortalized and became a memorial. Uh, they put a big plaque out front. It, nothing was the same. Uh, when that happened here in Memphis, Tennessee, and there still is a lot of racial tension because of it No matter how far we've come. We seem to still have a ways to go. Uh, I personally uh, come from a family of immigrants and then come from a family uh, whose, whose ancestors all had already immigrated over here and They pretty much were just farmers in Middle Tennessee but my grandmama was actually someone's property she was a slave within like let like 70 years ago um she was uh living in the ukraine uh now i know this is a totally different circumstance and a totally different time but it was world war ii and the germans needed money to fund their war they were running out of money so they started raiding villages and what they do is they go to one house and they threaten one person and they tell them we'll kill you if you don't tell us where all the girls live so they already knew, so that that way the people couldn't lie. The home, you know, the people that lived in the home couldn't lie and say they didn't have a daughter. So they knew, and even though my grandmama was hidden, she saw her mother and brother getting beaten so badly she came out so that they would spare, you know, her mother and brother's lives. And she never saw them again. She did see her brother in 1998 when she went back to the Ukraine. But she was taken by SS soldiers that day, along with every other girl in her neighborhood so to speak and yeah they were sold at an auction except for my grandmama and she was ordered to be killed she wasn't the prettiest in the bunch and um just wasn't enough farmers i suppose uh or people there looking to buy young girls so weird to say that uh but that was the reality of the situation back then and she was spared by a soldier who put her in a barn uh, I believe he hit her around some, like, she was hidden under some hay or something. And she heard a strange noise, and she thought, this is it, they're coming to kill me. She would tell me, Monishka, I thought, I thought, this is it, they're coming to kill me. And that's the best I can do for my grandmama's accent. She was Ukrainian from Nikopol and could speak eight different languages. So I'm not going to be able to do that one at all. But that's what she told me, and... And really, she could hear this thump and a slide and a thump and a slide. And she thought, oh my gosh, you know, how, well, what is this? What's coming? You know, how are they going to do this? And it was a one-legged farmer with a wooden leg thumping around. He was late because of that wooden leg. And he bought her when the soldiers showed the farmer where she was. And said, this is all I got left. And 
He said, I'll take her. And his son was deadbeat, no good, so that's why he needed help on his farm. He was a very decent man for being a slave owner, according to my grandmother. And, yeah, he he didn't mistreat her. He did not lay a finger on her. She worked for him. She did what she was supposed to do. Um, she later went on to help clean out the concentration camps when they were finally freed from the camps. Uh, she helped the USO. Uh, she helped the troops out. I mean, she wound up doing a lot of stuff and even met a Spanish, Hispanic militant fighting for the U.S. And back then, you didn't need a green card. You did not need to wait 10 years to take a test. It was called War Bride. And that's what she was. You were allowed to bring a woman that you had met and married over while stationed overseas home as your bride. And you and any children created or any of her children were allowed in. So that's how she came over. And just knowing that she was somebody's property and that that happened in the past 70 years. You know, the plantation owners and owning slaves, um, I believe... What was that like? Oh my gosh, I had the exact amount of years in my head. Um, But my mother actually finally ran in to someone who was the descendant, a direct descendant of a slave. She was very elderly. She was a direct descendant. And my mother said, I'm a direct descendant too. And they both had this moment. They both had this moment where it was like, wow. Neither one of them had run into another person that was that closely related. Like, yes, great, 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 but no, direct descendant. It, it, I forget, I think it was her grandmother, and then for, for my mom, you know, it was her mother. And so for me, it's my grandmama. So it's, it, you really, you don't hear that a lot. You really don't. You don't hear someone say, their immediate family member was a slave because first off you think of plantation owners and slavery and african-americans and that was a hundred and see i had that number so you that's the first thing people think they don't really realize that just about every culture in history has enslaved its people at one time or another and you know dr martin luther king He was the light that shined bright over such injustices. And, you know, his, I believe I heard his uh, wife, who was it? Oh my gosh, it's been a long morning. I mean, I have been watching Martin Luther King stuff and them talking about him, talking to other people. Nonetheless, all morning since 4.30. I think I took a nap in there in between. And yeah, so here we are now. But they were talking to someone, and they never felt, I believe it was a neighbor, they never felt unsafe. And so, you know, she, she never, she said, no, we never, we never felt like somebody was coming to hurt us because of what he was doing, you know, what he was saying, what he was standing for. But something about coming to Memphis, something about coming here for the sanitation workers. And they talked to the people um, who brought him, who got him to come here, who called upon him, who said, hey, we need some help. And one was that pastor that owns this, the, the, I'm sorry, that is um, over this huge church, one of the largest churches in Memphis with the most people in his congregation. 
I believe he was saying that he was one of them that just said, you know, you have got to come because he had already rallied. This pastor had already rallied for the sanitation workers, but it it wasn't there was it wasn't doing anything. There was violence. They were being met with violence. I believe some people were killed, and that's when they said, "Look, you have to come down here. You have to come down here, and you have to help us." <laughs> so he came down here to help the sanitation workers strike, and that was when I believe his family was saying and his neighbor was saying, "We got a bad feeling." I mean, his family wanted him to come home. His daughter, I know, I remember this now. His daughter said that she talked to him on the phone from the hotel and she said I really just want you to come home you've got to come home and he said I will see you later on I will be home everything will be okay he wasn't feeling well he had a cold the sanitation workers were out waiting for him I believe it was a cold and dreary day and he toughed it up he did not feel good he did not want to give this speech he just wasn't feeling right but he, he knew these people were waiting on him. And the, the crowd was growing. And they were chanting his name. So he toughed it up. And he uh, went out to go and help. And he was shot right outside of his hotel door. Um, and to this day, the building that the person was in who shot him is still erect. It is still there. Still well maintained. Still original window. And at night, you can see a red laser light, and it, it's the trajectory of where, of where the gunman was with the gun. And you can see, sometimes, you can see the whole full trajectory going towards the door, so you can actually see the path of the bullet. So, I mean, it gives you chills just standing down there. Um, like I said, it's been preserved. It's now a memorial. They're about to march right now downtown. Uh, his speech, if that speech doesn't give you chills, you just really don't know what it's about. And, you know, hey, on one hand, that's cool. Because that means you've probably never experienced anything. My mother, on the other hand, had, you know, was a pale ghost Ukrainian Russian with a Hispanic last name. And so when she got to California and was going to high school in the 60s, they spit on her and called her a spick just because of her last name. She is pale as a ghost, people. <laughs> Does not look Hispanic at all, okay? And got spit on and called a spick simply because of her last name. So unfortunately, my family knows all too well uh, the injustices um, of racial discrimination um, segregation. My mother swore she would never live in Memphis again because there was just still, she could feel it when she'd come to visit, there is just still too much tension. Um, we have had a lot of tension here lately and it's, it's come with amidst all the violence uh, that goes, that just seems to go untouched. Um, all the police killings and whatnot and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, you know, the artists here on our art scene have been working closely with all of those people. I mean, we have um, we have groups that that support LGBT. I mean, the artists and the younger kids. You know, I always said when I was little, it was it would probably take generations to wash it all out, but it's always going to take one. And unfortunately. 
I'm not sure that that's ever really going to end. We're probably going to make strides like we have here and there. And just like it takes someone dying at an intersection before they'll put up a red light, I really do believe that's what's going to continue to happen throughout time when it comes to um, civil injustice and discrimination. Um, It kind of started over again after the terrorist attacks on 9-11. Suddenly your neighbor who you've been talking to forever and a day that you knew was Muslim was now your enemy and you were scared of them. Um, I remember that. It, it was horrible and to hear that people were getting beaten all of a sudden for being Muslim after the terrorist attack. So it's, it'll be a different situation. It'll maybe a different uh, group of ethnic people, ethnicities. But I just, I just think it's going to take a long, long time before we ever truly reach the meaning of the I Have a Dream speech. Um, I have to say that what I just learned was really neat and I want to pass it on and then I'll, I'll, I'll cut it off because I've got to go feed my aunt. She's just looking at me from through the window, like feed me. <clears throat> but <clears throat> what's neat to know about that speech is he had it prepared and there was a woman off to the side and you can just barely hear her if you listen to the speech and have the volume turned up and she says, Tell him about your dream, Martin. And that's when he pushed his script to the side. And he started saying that that closing about how I have a dream that one day. And just to know, just to learn that, I mean, I have to admit I busted out in tears. I was like, wow, that's amazing. He was an amazing man. He stood for amazing things. He was so brave, so brave to come and face the injustices that he faced and to help people, to march in the street with them, uh, to get water hoses turned on his people and him, just just for peacefully marching. Um, so brave, such a good speaker. Uh, you know, we a good speaker really does matter, people, because a good speaker can move those mountains, just like MLK. He moved some mountains. He really did. And I really hope you can see it, and I hope you can focus on it, and I hope that you can teach and pass it on for a better future. Because, you know, we are, my child's already grown up in much more diversity than I have. And you can see, you can tell. She does, she's like me, she does not judge based on the color of the skin. She judges by character. That's how I was raised. And that's how we all should be raised, and that's how we should continue to live. You should never judge on the color of someone's skin. You really should try. We naturally judge as humans, but really, really, really. I know it's uh, we as humans naturally, we do this naturally. We segregate ourselves naturally. Um, But racism, you know, it's never fully going to go away as long as there's one. And it only takes one. And it's amazing how just that one person can keep something, you know, going amidst so many people. So you've got to really stand for injustice. Don't be afraid to stand up. We, we live in a country where we're allowed to do that. And when I grew up, I, was, I grew up being told, you know, children should be seen, not heard. Um, I don't know. We didn't take to the streets. 
We didn't think we were allowed. And now look at these kids. And they know better. And they have no problem telling the adults, hey, piss off. We're about to march for this. Uh, just like they did with the gun violence. And, you know, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take more of that, many years of more of that. So keep teaching those important lessons. Keep, re- you know, keep talking about, we will keep talking about MLK here in Memphis. That will never stop. That Lorraine Motel will always be there. I could not even think of the day why it would ever be removed. Um, it mean, it's just... I'm, I can't even formulate the words to speak properly. But, so, yeah, they're probably marching right now downtown. Um, unfortunately, my aunt can't make that march, so we, we couldn't make it down there. Um, I would love to, but there's events going on here in Memphis all week long to celebrate the 50th, to celebrate his life and to honor him on this, the 50th anniversary of his death. I do hope you're having a great day wherever you are in the world. Just, you know, love each other, hug each other, count those glimmers, because life is too short for those people. It really, really is. We need to start focusing on the right things and just take care of each other because that's really all we have at the end of the day is each other. Think about that for a moment and keep it unreal. Just wanted to say really quick, if if you're on Facebook, I hope you're on Facebook, like half the world's on Facebook, over half the world, but you can go to Facebook and look up WREG Channel 3 in Memphis, Tennessee. They are live streaming the events from downtown at the Lorraine Motel, and they will be live streaming throughout the day until the events are over. Uh, that just popped up on my notifications as I was uploading that last segment that was pretty long so if you're interested at all check that out go to Facebook look up WREG channel 3 Memphis Tennessee hopefully you'll be able to find it and they are live streaming and you can watch what's going on in downtown Memphis right now deadly shots fired just after 6 p.m. Dr. King was pronounced dead at 7.05 p.m. They're ringing the bell at the Lorraine Motel right now as a moment of silence to mark the moment he was shot.